Welcome to the podcast, Rethinking the End Times, which is an extension of the Kings and Priests podcast by Urban Eden Community. You can visit the website at urbanedencmty.com. You know, there are a lot of misconceptions when it comes to the terms the last days or the last hour. When the Bible mentions the end of the world or the end of the age, the end of time, I want to dive into these terms and show you the scriptural meaning of these things. And for those who aren't familiar with the meaning of the terms end of times, end of the world, in the end, the end of age, last days, last hour, I want to do a quick look into what these mean and what they are pointing to within the scripture. It's easy to read these things and to automatically have an assumption of what they mean, but the Messianic culture of that time knew exactly what in the end meant, end of age meant, end of the world. It doesn't mean what our culture would interpret those to mean today. So let's look at the scriptures to define what these things mean. First of all, right off the bat, you need to know that when you are reading certain translations of the scriptures, some will use the term end of the world, and that's a bad translation. And you can go look this up for yourself. But when you go to the original Greek in which the scriptures were written, every time a translation will mention end of the world, the original language actually says end of the age. And that makes a huge difference because now we have to define what it's speaking of when it says end of the age. It's not speaking of the end of the world. It's speaking to the end of a specific age. And we're going to get right into that. Let's first look at the definition of end of the age in the original Greek of the New Testament. The word used is spelled A-I-O-N-O-S. And it means a course, an extension, specifically the Messianic world, the Jewish era. I want you to catch a hold of that. End of age means the end of the age of the Messianic period, the Jewish era. What's he talking about? End of age specifically is speaking to the old covenant governance where the Sadducees, the Pharisees, the scribes, and temple governance were in effect. A time where everything concerning worship was done in a temple made of hands. It's where the presence of God was found. It was found at the temple. It's where you went to experience God, to make sacrifices and offerings, to give your tithe. All these things were done at the temple. Preaching and teaching were done at the temple. The governance of the Messianic nation, the nation of God, was centered around the Jewish temple. 1 Corinthians 10, 11. Listen intently to the words that are being used. It says, Now all these things happened to them as examples, and they were written for our admonition. He's talking to those people at that time period. It says, Upon whom the ends of the ages have come. In the passage we just read, Paul mentioned the end of the age is coming on that people of that time. He's saying that the end of this old covenant age has come upon us. It's dying. It's fading away. It's soon to be gone. Hebrews 9.26 
he then would have had to suffer often since the foundation of the world. But now, the writer of Hebrews is saying, right now, at this moment, at the time that I am writing this letter, but now, once, at the end of the ages, he has appeared to put away sin by the sacrifice of himself. Now think about that. Think about what this scripture is saying. The writer of Hebrews says the end of the ages has come upon the people who he is writing to. He's referring to the end of the old covenant governance age, which had been in place for thousands of years. And I like the way it's written because the writer is saying that now the end of the ages has come upon us, this generation to whom Jesus appeared to to put away sin. Timestamps. 1 Corinthians 2, 6-8 through 8. Yet among the mature we do not impart wisdom, though it is not a wisdom of this age, or of the rulers of this age, who are doomed to pass away. But we impart a secret and hidden wisdom, which God created before the ages for our glory. None of the rulers of this age understood this, for if they had, they would have not crucified the Lord of glory. The end of the age mentioned in this verse is directly tied to those who crucified Jesus. We have no one on this earth living that crucified Jesus. These are timestamps explaining when this age was ending. It's talking about their generation in that time, not ours. When we read the references in Scripture that speak to the end, it is specifically speaking to the end of the Messianic age, not to the end of the world. And to be even more specific, it's speaking to the destruction of Jerusalem, the temple, and to the old covenant governance spoken about by the prophets of old and by Jesus. You know, Matthew 24 is a common chapter People used to say that the end of the earth is coming in our future. We hear it often quoted to say that Jesus prophesied about our time today. But again, Jesus is speaking to the end of old covenant age. Let's read that for a second. Let's look at the conversation being had by Jesus and pay attention to the context in which this conversation is being had. Conversation starts in Matthew 23, verse 1. Jesus spoke to the multitudes and to his disciples, saying, The scribes and the Pharisees sit in Moses' seat. This conversation is starting out with Jesus addressing the governance of the time. Those who sit in Moses' seat, the Pharisees, the scribes. I'm pointing this out to show you that the end of the age is not speaking to the end of the world or the end of the earth but to old covenant governance. Matthew twenty-three, thirteen, Woe to you, scribes and Pharisees, you hypocrites! You shut up the kingdom of heaven against men, for you neither go in yourselves, nor do you allow those who are entering to go in. Again, Jesus begins to warn the messianic governance of the time that judgment was coming upon them. Matthew twenty-three, thirty-one. All in the same conversation, Jesus says, Therefore you are witnesses against yourself, that you are sons of those who murdered the prophets. 
another indicator that he's not speaking to the entire world, but to those who murdered the prophets, the Messianic governance, the Jewish governance of the time. And look at Matthew 23, 36. This verse right here is a big one. We have twisted this to say something that it definitely does not say. And when you read it within the context of what we just read, the entirety of the conversation being set up for Matthew 24, there's no way that this scripture doesn't plainly say what it says. It's very easy to understand. Matthew 23, 36. Assuredly, I say to you, all these things will come upon this generation. So think about this. Jesus starts the conversation addressing the Pharisees, the scribes, the teachers of the law, those who sit in Moses' seat. He starts out by addressing the governance of the time. And then he starts giving them a warning about a judgment coming upon them and upon Jerusalem and upon its temple. And then he says, these things will come upon this generation. That's a timestamp. Not a 2,000-year-old generation, but that generation. And by the way, when you do a study on generation, a generation in the Word of God is 40 years. We see it with the story of the Israelites moving from the desert to the promised land. It's definitely something you should look into. But Jesus is speaking specifically to that generation, saying judgment was coming upon them at that time, not the entire world. Matter of fact, what Jesus is prophesying about did indeed happen like he said it would. When complete destruction came upon Jerusalem, it came upon its temple, it came upon the governance of that time in AD 70. History proves it. Now let's go into Matthew 24, verse 1. It says, Jesus went out and departed from the temple. Listen to the context that's being set up. He departed from the temple and his disciples came up to show him the buildings of the temple. And Jesus said to them, do you not see all these things? Talking about the temple. He says, assuredly, I will say to you, not one stone will be left upon another that shall not be thrown down. We see here that the conversation continues on the topic at hand, which is Jerusalem, the temple, and the governance of it. Matthew 23 and Matthew 24 specifically speak to the destruction of the temple and Jerusalem. It speaks of it happening in that generation which the end of the Messianic age has come upon. And it goes on to say, Now, as he sat on the Mount of Olives, the disciples came to Jesus privately, saying, Hey, Jesus, when will these things be? Talking about the temple, same conversation. When are these things going to happen? Talking about judgment, it's the same conversation. The conversation hasn't changed. And it says, and what will be the sign of your coming and of the end of the age, not the end of the world? Some interpretations may interpret it to say the end of the world, but that is not what the original text says. 
It says the end of the age. What's it talking about? The end of the old covenant governance age. The end of the messianic age. That is literally what this word age even means. The messianic age. The messianic world. The Jewish era. The reason I'm hammering on this chapter so hard is because this chapter has been used to say that future judgment is coming upon the earth. But clearly, this is not the conversation that's being had. Jesus is clearly talking about the end of old covenant governance. The context in which this is all written, who he is addressing, what he is talking about is very, very, very plain. It's not talking about the end of the world. I'm also trying to show you that throughout the Old and New Testament scriptures, when the end of the age is being referenced, it's speaking to the end of the old covenant governance, which was coming to an end in that generation. We read scriptures about it, and now we're reading scriptures of what Jesus said about it. It would happen in that generation. So move on to verse 21. Matthew 24, 21. For then there will be a great tribulation. Such has not been since the beginning of the world until this time, nor shall ever be. It's talking about the great tribulation happening in that generation. At that time, he's tying the destruction of Jerusalem, the temple judgment on the governance of that time to the great tribulation. This is what the Great Tribulation is all about. It's about an end coming, an end of the Jewish era, an end of the Messianic age coming to an end in that generation. And Paul speaks about it when he says the old is fading away and the new has come. He's talking about the old covenant era. The temple was still functioning at this time. It had not fully gone away yet. Although it was fading, they were still making sacrifices. They were still making offerings. They were still tithing to that temple made of hands. But it was fading away. And you can look this up. Matthew 23 and 24 were fulfilled in that generation. Just that Jesus spoke of. When Jerusalem, the temple, and the old covenant governance were destroyed. In 70 AD, when Rome brought complete and utter destruction to it. Well, let's touch on the last days. Again, I'm going to show you that the references to the last days in Scripture are speaking to the last days of the Old Covenant. 1 John 2.18 Little children, it is the last hour. John is writing a letter and he's saying, What we are experiencing right now. It is the last hour. As you have heard that the Antichrist is coming, even now many Antichrists have come, which we know that it is the last hour. John is talking to the people of their time, speaking of their time, which he describes as the last hour. Hebrews 1.1 Long ago, at many times and in many ways, God spoke to our fathers, by the prophets. But now, in these last days, he's saying, but now, right here, in these last days that we are living in, talking about his time period, not ours, 
But now, in these last days, he has spoken to us by his Son, whom he appointed the heir of all things, through whom he created the world. This is a timestamp saying that Jesus appeared in the last days, the days in which they were living, the last days of the old covenant that was coming to an end. 1 Peter 1.20 He indeed was foreordained before the foundations of the world, but was manifested in these last times for you who through him believed in God, who raised him from the dead and gave him glory so that your faith and hope are in God. Jesus was manifested in their time and walked the earth in their time, not ours. Another timestamp. It's saying that the last days is tied to the manifestation of Jesus. When Jesus walked to earth, when Jesus came to earth, those were the last days, not the ones we're living in now. Acts 2, 16 and 17. This is at Pentecost when the believers were up in the room and they began to be baptized with the Holy Spirit and began to pray in tongues and prophesy. And Peter gets up and says, this, what we are experiencing right now, this is what Joel spoke of. And it shall come to pass in the last days, says God, that I will pour out my spirit on all flesh. Hear that? Peter is saying, what we are experiencing right now, this is the last days. This is the last days that Joel spoke of. When Joel said, in the last days, I will pour out my spirit on all flesh. Peter is saying he's speaking to this moment we're experiencing right now. Those were the last days. We're trying to say that we're living in the last days. But no, we're not living in the last days. That governance has already been destroyed. That temple has already been destroyed, just like Jesus said it would. It's not going to happen again. Judgment on the governance that hijacked the kingdom of God has been rendered already. It's not happening again. It's not talking to our time period. It was talking to the time period of old covenant governance. The last days in scripture speak to the end of the old covenant messianic era. It was the end of the temple in Jerusalem. No longer was there going to be a need for men to worship in a temple built by hands. No longer would you need a building to bring offerings to and to worship in. He was making man his temple. The old system, the old government that was governing God's people had to be destroyed and taken out of the way for the governance of God's kingdom, which Jesus brought, to take its rightful and full place. An entire nation was built on the law given through Moses. The law established the people of God as a nation and governed every aspect of their lives. It gave them boundaries in which to live, boundaries in which to conduct themselves, and even to worship. The problem is, though, is that even though God was faithful to them, they continually turned their hearts from God, breaking the law, breaking the covenant that God had made with them. But not only this, the people grew so evil in their hearts to the point of killing God's own servants and prophets he sent to them. And even more, they killed the Son of God himself, the Messiah. 
Jesus, who was foretold to them by the law and by the prophets. They killed him and they knew who they were killing. And it came that at that time that the fullness of everything had reached its peak and the moment came for everything to be made straight. And as Isaiah prophesied, a son would be born and he would bring the governance of God on his shoulders. All these things speak to judgment on Jerusalem, the temple, and its governance on the earth at that time, not ours. It is in no way referencing the entire earth or a future destruction coming on the earth. All these terms point to the end of the old covenant, which came to pass in 70 AD. Rethinking the End Times podcast is an extension of Kings and Priests podcast by Urban Eden Community. To learn more about us, to get resources, or to get info on our monthly events, visit the website urbanedencmty.com and consider sowing a financial seed to help us spread the message of the kingdom. Details on the website.